All right, we are back with another episode of Marketing for Accounting Firms podcast. This is a show where we talk about marketing for accounting firms. It's pretty straightforward, very descriptive title. I have on the show today, my guest is Nicole Davis, and we're going to talk about personal branding and social media and a bunch of other things. She's a firm owner, and I'm going to hand it over to you. Nicole, what's important to know about you and why should people care or listen to what you have to say? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So I'm Nicole Davis. I'm a wife, a mom, and a CPA. Uh, I have a small firm based out of Covington, Georgia. Now we just moved to our new office. So we have about 14 team members. Most are in-house. We also have a few team members offshore and one remote. So our practice is primarily about 60% cash, 30% payroll, and about 10% tax. And we primarily work with independent pharmacies, construction companies, and service-based businesses. It sounds like you have your client profile like pretty well dialed in. You know exactly who you're talking to, which is great. I saw you on mostly on Twitter, I think. So you're you're pretty yes. active on social media yes. and there there's a group of or there's a lot of lurkers out there. A lot of I know that there's a lot of accounting firm owners who are on Twitter watching yes. like the tax Twitter community or on LinkedIn following and then there's a smaller group of people who are really active and and talking about building their business and and really as kind of a public face of their firm. That was one of the things that really uh, I was interested in to hear, you know, I talk to a lot of firm owners who they want to disappear. They want to be in the background. They they want their firm to operate without them. And and I totally understand that. You know, introverts I think probably right. are a little higher. Yes. You know, higher representation in in the accounting space. But you are you're very much out in front as kind of the face of your business. I I'm interested just to hear. Was that a conscious decision? Is that just, you know, who you've always been? And and what has that been like to be, yeah, to be, I guess, building in public and, and kind of talking about your firm and, and talking about these things out you know, in, in social media? It's funny that you mentioned that. If I've always been like that, I would say I am probably the most introverted person. Mm. A lot of people say I'm not, but I am pretty introverted. I always say like, I'm like 87% introvert. Uh, mm -hmm. And the rest. So when you see me showing up on Twitter <laughs> and all yeah. these public spaces, that's the other 13%. That's the, mm -hmm. the part that likes to speak. Uh, so for me, I would say I'm also like most accountants. I, initially, I definitely didn't want to like be out front. I wanted to like stay in my little corner, do the client work. But eventually, I think my firm started to evolve, but my goals started to change. So I started thinking about, okay, where do I want to see my firm in five years? And do I want to be at the hem? of all the client work by then. So for mm -hmm. me, it was all about, okay, how do I get from where I am right now to where I want to be in five years? And that required me to take a step back, look at how I was currently doing things, and then decided to change that. So I started building my social media presence mm -hmm. so I could attract people to the firm, not only clients, but also team members, mm -hmm. but also kind of support the other goals I wanted to do as, a, as an accountant. Yeah. So uh, accounting is, is very much a trust business, right? Yes. People, yes. It, you're, you're dealing with their money. Accountants probably know more about you than you wish they knew, you know, because they see all the financial <laughs> transactions and all that kind of stuff, right? You probably know more about some of your clients than, than I, even they do. Funny. <laughs> yes, I have a client. He was like, you know more about my personal life and finances than my wife. I was like, okay, that's probably a problem. <laughs> Now let's talk about that. Well, so there's 
is a trust business. And so I, you know, I sit in a marketing seat and we help firms all the time. And what I found is that the firms that want to just be a brand yeah. sometimes really struggle actually to gain traction. And you mentioned both areas. You're, you're trying to attract clients, again, very trust-based. They want to know who is behind the firm. It, it's not that they're exactly worried about ethics, but they do want to know, is this a good fit? Do they, do they understand me? Can I trust them? Uh, and then a really big part of it is we know that it's hard to hire and retain great talent right now in yes. the accounting space. Yes. People who are thinking about working for you are 100% spending time looking at your social media. Yes. And when they see the firm owner active, they can really get a much better sense of, you know, yes. what is it like to work here? Um, I think it's a good strategic decision. Did you go into it with specific goals and outcomes or was it more like, I'm just going to start being more active and I'm going to see what happens? That second part. So, yes, I didn't go into it thinking, well, I'm going to, like, build this huge social media presence and I'm going to start, like, um, making my firm more visible, making myself more visible. It was more like an outlet, honestly. Mm -hmm. So I started using Twitter just to talk about my life, being a wife, a mom, and a CPA. And it was just a way for me to kind of, you know, tell my stories, tell how I was doing things, right or wrong. Like, I'm very transparent. I tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly. So it was definitely more so I just want to talk right mm -hmm. and not have anyone talk back to me because again it's the introvert in me i want to put things out in the world but not have to like, have a one on like a two-way conversation with yeah. someone live all the time so that's why i started using twitter because i could put all my thoughts out i didn't have to hear anybody give their feedback to me or reply um right away so is your increased presence on Twitter and in social media, is there a correlation between that and your firm growth? Do you draw a line between those? Yes, I definitely think there has been, we've, so we are very avid marketers in my firm. So like from day one, we had a marketing budget. Mm -hmm. So the social media just kind of, I guess it kind of elevated our marketing because now we have this face mm -hmm. behind the name. So for me, it was definitely more so, it was definitely more so that now that we've always been able to like add clients, we've always been able to like create a presence in our local community. And then now we're creating a presence more online and I, we, and we're starting to see that the, the traction, like there's been traction now as far as people like, Hey, I know who you are. I want to work with you. And it's not so just the clients, but it's also other accountants. I'm getting more into coaching where I want to like show people how I did it. So it's like a two way street. I'm getting the growth from the client side, but I'm also getting the growth from those goals that I want to pursue yeah. as a firm owner. I love it when I talk to someone and they say they have a marketing budget. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Okay, so accountants, you're always going to be focused on ROI. But I meet a lot of accountants who somehow they, they have in their head, this is what we think marketing should cost and this is what we think it should result in. Right. But they don't really have a good way to come up with that. I, uh -huh. I'm curious, when you were starting out, when you were small, how did you build your marketing budget and, and how, did, how did you determine what you were going to spend and how much? And, uh -huh. then, and then what are the sorts of things that you did early on? All right. So, okay, that's a great question. So let me see. So... I definitely think like we didn't have a set number. Mm -hmm. We more has we more so built our marketing around I want to say campaigns, right? Mm -hmm. So for us, it was about okay, this is what we want to do. How much is it going to cost to do that? And then we're going to measure the ROI to see if we're going to keep doing it again. Mm -hmm. So one of the one of the first things we did because again we we the cash practice all has been growing, but we didn't have a lot of tax clients at the time. 
So for us, we wanted to attract more tax clients early on. Mm-hmm. And so we did um, a new homeowner campaign. Mm-hmm. So with that, we bought all the new homeowners in the area uh, that have moved to our town. And then we sent them out a refrigerator magnet with a letter congratulating them on their new home. And so the budget behind it was how much did it cost to buy the list? How much does mm-hmm. it cost to, to get the magnets, the number that we needed? Mm-hmm. How much did it cost to, to mail all of those? It was it's a physical mailing. Mm-hmm. So we So those marketing dollars were more so okay here's what we want to do how much is it going to cost and was it worth it mm-hmm. uh, and then eventually as we started to scale then mm-hmm. we started putting dollars behind mm-hmm. like okay now we said we're setting aside this much to do all the things we want to do as far as marketing mm-hmm. so i our marketing budget we spend a lot on marketing so we do google ads mm-hmm. and we have a budget of about 500 dollars a month on two separate ads so it's about a thousand a month for both ads we also we have a, an email so marketing is also like having an email nurturing mm-hmm. campaign so we yep. have we invest into email nurturing software so i would say i know here's the thing matt how much should we be spending on marketing <laughs> I would say our budget probably right now is probably falling between like eight and ten percent of our gross revenues. Yeah, like I said, we spend a lot on marketing. Yeah, and well, what I found is you're always going to have a floor of clients that are just going to find you some way. It's through referrals exactly. or online, yes. and you do nothing, and you're going to get a certain number in. As you grow, though, that often can't keep up with your drops. Even if you have like really good client retention, if you're losing 15% or 10% a year, you usually need to spend a little bit more just to keep up with. And then if you want to grow, you got to add on top of that. And it does get more expensive. The other thing is that if you're, if you're a smart firm, you're probably trying to charge premium rates and you're raising your prices. And the the great clients also become more expensive to get just because there's fewer yes. of them, right? You're looking yes. for the ones who value you and are not price sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, the short answer, we use two equations that either one works. The simple one is start with 10% of your budget and then put it to the <laughs> So that's like your, your revenue, 10%. Yeah. It's an easy place to start. The other way is, you know, firms grow through acquisition all the time, right? So yes. you pay 1.2x one, 1. annual revenue to acquire mm-hmm. another firm. You don't know who those clients are. You don't know if they're good or bad. You're going to lose some of them. Mm-hmm. You might end up paying, you know, 2x per client when it's right. all said and done. So we say, what I say is if you can acquire a client through marketing for anything less than 1x your annual fee you're you're doing well because that's that's better than acquisition in my mind right, right? it is you're right yes and you're and you get to interview every client before <laughs> you bring them in the door now that's that's an all in cost that's sales right. and marketing right and so we'll generally what we'll say is like okay what's your what's the uh, client worth to you in one in one year Cut that in half, 50% for sales, 50% for marketing. Now you say we want to add 24 clients to a month. You multiply that, you know, that amount and that gives you your marketing budget. So that's, that's more of the, like, if I need to know exactly the number, I'm going to spend $50,000 this year, you know, that you can, you can get an idea of, you know, how do you judge whether this is working and effective or not? Right. And then you got to, then you got to think like, where's the best way to allocate these resources that's going to get the best ROI. Most of the time, you know, I, if you can get them for less than one X, great. But most of the time, it should be a lot lower than that as as you get your marketing dialed in. But but that helps set expectations a little higher. Yes. You say you're spending a lot on marketing. The reality is marketing, I, I always tell people, marketing requires investment and it's expensive. And you can pay in dollars or you can pay in time. 
Yeah. And for most I firm owners, <laughs> for most firm owners, they would actually rather throw some money at things than have to give a lot of time to it. And and that's, that's totally true. understandable. So yeah, that's kind of my that's my spiel on on marketing budgets. I know that's I like a little it. bit of a, I like it. A, a rabbit trail. But so tell me about you said, you know, early on you were trying to get more tax clients and as you've grown, mm-hmm. things have changed. You've grown, you know, some through acquisition, right. some through marketing. Yep. What has been your kind of firm growth trajectory? Have there been trigger points or changes where, you know, things what you've been doing and how you've been getting clients has really shifted over the years? Yeah, so it has. So I would say we started from scratch. I started my firm with zero clients other than family and friends that weren't, mm-hmm. that weren't paying me anything. <laughs> and so we eventually, my first few clients, I marketed locally only. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I went to the chamber or the or the city hall, wherever they applied to get the new business licenses. I got a list of all the new business licenses and I cold called them <laughs> one by one until someone told me yes, mm-hmm. to, they wanted to meet with me. So I got my very first large cast client who's still a client today just from like that marketing tactic so that's when we kind of started like oh this works so we kind of still do a lot of that and eventually like you said sales just started to take off like my first year I think I did like $32 man I don't know where that $32 came from the second year I think we did 30 some thousand the second year and then from there it has been just growing exponentially so this year we're probably in a a right around 1.5 we we projected 1.5 to 1.7 million Mm -hmm. we're probably land a little below that based on just kind of a lot of changes we've been making in our firm Mm -hmm. so like i said and like the only year that we and we've been pretty profitable as well so the only time that we didn't really grow but we also didn't lose a lot of sales either. That's the mm-hmm. good. It was during COVID, right? Yeah. So we just maintained pretty much mm-hmm. our sales. And we still invested in marketing throughout. Mm-hmm. And I would say we we have a really great retention rate with our clients. Like we, most clients don't leave unless I fire them. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we had one re, one leave recently, but it was out of our control. But other than mm-hmm. that, we've done really good re- retaining clients and then just added them. It's like gravy for us. Yeah. I'm interested to hear you mentioned that you're getting more into kind of the 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 coaching space. What so folks that are listening, you know, on audio and they don't see us, you know, Nicole is a black woman in accounting. There's you know, a fairly I would say underrepresented in that space. So. I know you have a podcast as well that you you yes, yes. have with some other mm-hmm. some other women. Yeah, I'm just interested in in your experience and what you want to bring to the accounting space in general yes. from a coaching and a and that perspective what what is interesting about that to you and what do you hope to be able to do for other folks that are building their firms yeah so i have so the coaching program that my friend and i barbara richardson are rolling out is called the martin bookkeeper so it's not a technical training program so we're not teaching bookkeeping mm-hmm. we're not talking about how to do bookkeeping we're talking about how do you build or run a modern bookkeeping practice mm-hmm. so we're taking all of our lessons learned all of the mistakes we've made hoping to help others avoid those same mistakes and get there faster than 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 we did mm-hmm. so that's what it's all about it's all about building bigger better businesses i think running a business is like 30% being good at the thing that you're good at 
and like seventy percent is everything else that you didn't realize you needed to learn. Yes. And and of that, you know, so much of it is actually like internal personal work, like understanding, you know, how do I exist as a business owner? You know, how do I understand my own value? How do I charge enough? How do I not yes. you know, give everything? And those are the things where I think having a community and having coaches who have, who have done that is so right. valuable because yes. that 70%, like, you know, that 30% is... Do you know accounting? Right. Bookkeeping, right. It's taxes. ingrained in us. Right, right. Debits right. and credits, right? Yeah. You can you can take classes. You've got a degree. Yes. You've got your CPA. Yes. All that. But it's that 70% of like, what does it mean to be, to run a business and, and all it's the, a the personal business, stuff? right? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole purpose of this coaching program is to like show people how to do that. Because again, we see so many coaching programs where people were teach where they, they were making money from coaching. They've never run businesses. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's like, okay. We've done it. We've been, Mm -hmm. I would say we've been successful doing it. Okay, how can we, I guess, have others have that same experience or an even better experience Mm -hmm. as business owners? So, yeah, that's (laughs) like that's exactly what we're doing. (laughs) Yeah, not don't make the same mistakes as we did, make make entirely new mistakes of your own. Right, make a new mistake (laughs) and recover faster. Yes. Well, let's okay. Let's get back to the a little bit to the kind of personal brand and, okay. and building mm-hmm. building in public thing. So you're active on on Twitter and LinkedIn. Yes. Unpack those two different platforms from your okay. perspective. What do you are you the same person in both places, or no. do you kind of shift what you, what you talk about? What's what's the difference? I am definitely not the same person in both places. I would say Twitter. Twitter is more so like my personal diary, right? Mm-hmm. It's where I can share all the random things or organized things that go through my head. So mm-hmm. I can be myself. Like, again, it also goes back to I can put out into the world without having mm-hmm. to have that two-way conversation through com- through verbal conversations. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking about everything from being a mom, where I'm a mom mm-hmm. of five. I'm talking about being um, married to my husband of 20 years. And I'm just talking about like being a CPA to the many clients that we serve. So it's like a combination of stories, anecdotes, mm-hmm. um, inspirational quotes. So it's like it can get very random on my Twitter mm-hmm. account, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to make it a little more organized, but other than that, it's very random. LinkedIn is very, it's a lot more structured. It's very mm-hmm. intentional. Because, again, mm-hmm. it's more so a professional platform. Mm-hmm. So the things I'm putting out, I'm very mindful of the audience. Like, we, I have two different audiences. The audience on text Twitter is totally different from my mm-hmm. audience on LinkedIn. Also, most of my LinkedIn audience are clients. They're other businesses that we're working with. And so, again, I'm, I'm not as random. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. not as transparent either, right? Because I can – not say transparent, I mean, like, I tell, I tell a lot about my personal life on Twitter, like, mm-hmm. I don't do that as much on LinkedIn because, again, it's, we, I'm trying to create that no like trucks factor, mm-hmm. and I, I'm able to do that better on LinkedIn versus Twitter, even though people like, I guess they like follow me on Twitter because I'm very authentic and transparent, mm-hmm. but it's not the same on LinkedIn. Yeah. How, how much time do you, okay, this is a two-part question. How much time do you, do you spend during the week, you know, in, in yeah. your, we'll say public-facing you know, role for the firm. Um, I, there's an overlap. We're, we're going to include Twitter and LinkedIn here. And then also, do you do you have that structure? Do you have time set aside to do that, or do you just do it, you know, as you have time and it, it kind of comes more naturally? Obviously, when I first started 
posted on Twitter, it was when I said it was random. I literally mean I will only post when I had some downtime. So when I'm, so my husband and I drive to work every day. So when he's in the car driving, I'm usually posting. <laughs> when I'm standing in line trying to check out, I'm usually posting. When I'm waiting like at at a restaurant for dinner, I'm posting. So it was like very. It was only during downtimes, right? I didn't have mm-hmm. any time to decide. I was like, I'm just gonna post down because I feel like it because I have some time. Mm-hmm. Now there is a lot more attention though. So I do have. I set aside Wednesdays. Wednesday are my content creation days. So then I'm sitting down and scheduling a lot of my content. The ideas I I get for content, I jot that down throughout the week, and then I get to I get sit down on Wednesday, look at everything, all the ideas I I created, and then start creating the content from there. So it's definitely more intentional right now. Do you struggle coming up with ideas for content? Is that a is that a challenge? No, I don't. <laughs> like literally, I have my so my my iPhone, my the notepad. Mm-hmm. Anytime I think of something random in my head, I want to talk about later. I just put it in my notepad, so I kind of park it mm-hmm. and come back to it later. And I think that I think I could talk about I could talk about a whole lot more. I just don't. I kind of reserve something. Mm-hmm. I can't tell them. I can't tell the world everything, right? Right. But I do tell them a lot. So, but it's all I have content for days. I can create content for days. I think. I think a lot of people. I'll say firm owners feel a little intimidated by social media because they think I'm going to run out of stuff to say. Like, how do you, you got this blank page problem. And, and right. what I, what I tell people is it, the more, I think the more you do it and the more you think about it, the more comes, you know, like yes. it's, it, it, it gets it, easier. It builds. Yes. It gets easier. You don't actually run yeah. out of ideas. You come up with right. more ideas as you practice. Exactly. And you do it, right? Cause then you start, cause you, you also get ideas from the people that interact with you on social media. Mm-hmm. So they'll ask you questions. Also, when you're reading other people's content, you'll be like, ah, I didn't think of that. And you may have a different play on that same subject matter mm-hmm. so that you can talk about that. Also, too, I tell people, and I learned this from Seth David, I was like, it's okay to take something someone else said and put it into your own words, right? Mm-hmm. Like, people are afraid, like, well, I'm going to copy what they said. said. No, you're not. Sometimes a particular person may need to hear it in your voice or your mm-hmm. words in order for it to resonate with them. So I'm like, listen, if you're not sure where to start, go look at other people's and see, can you kind of kind of get ideas from what they're posting? Yeah. And with social media, your audience is is constantly evolving and growing. And so some of the things that you said six months ago, there's a bunch of people that you're connected to now that that haven't heard that. And so it's okay to hit on the same topics again and again. It doesn't have to be. I just thought about that. I was like, I need to go back into my archives from like Mm -hmm. two years ago. Cause there I have, cause back then I probably had a couple thousand followers. Now I have about Mm -hmm. 12,000 on Twitter. Like I'm pretty sure there were 10,000 people that didn't hear what I said. (laughs) I was good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That's good stuff. I didn't recreate that. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I, the other thing about writing and I mean, this goes back. You you said you set aside Wednesdays. Like that's yes. a, that's a, that sounds like a very expensive commitment to a lot of people who are listening to this in the right. time, right? Like that's you you put a lot of priority and in, in time into being the face of your firm. Now I'll say, yes, it's helping you drive leads. I'm sure it's also helping you create credibility, kind of in yes. in the space, and it gives you the opportunity as a firm owner to do more one to many communication instead yes. of the like one-to-one stuff right. which helps the rest of your team actually by by right. doing that but it does i think for a lot of firm owners that still feels like a lot 
a lot a to lot give to up, right, to, to put into it. And, and so I understand that they that they wouldn't want to do that. The other thing, though, is I really believe that writing, whether it's on social media or blogs or emails, mm-hmm. it helps you clarify the way you think, which then yes. allows you to, to provide better insight and services to your clients. And so mm-hmm. taking that time to think about it, you know, how do I communicate this out into the world, is, is helping you grow in your own practice and your own ability to, right. to really serve your clients well. So I, I, I think people underestimate maybe the, the kind of side benefits of spending yes. time creating content, writing, and thinking about your business yeah. for, your, for your clients. It, it's, it's, it's more valuable than you realize. It's not just about like marketing stuff. It is. And it's, you made the great point earlier when you talked about how some accountants, they, it's either going to be a time investment or a cost investment. And mm-hmm. I think that investing in your social media strategy, your personal brand, is a huge return. It, it will provide a huge return if you're consistent, mm-hmm. if you're putting good content out into the world. Like the opportunities that open up for you, like you wouldn't even imagine these things happening had you not mm-hmm. had a presence on these social media platforms. Tell me about that. So you, you're active. <laughs> like you, you've had some opportunities. What what sorts of I things have. are now are available yeah. to you that you sort of didn't expect before you started doing this? All right. So one is definitely speaking engagements. Mm-hmm. So when I started my firm early on, I said, okay, I definitely. I'm an introvert, but still, I wanted to be on stage. Mm-hmm. I like being on stage. I have a performance art, performing arts background. I come from a performance arts family. So naturally, mm-hmm. I want to be in the spotlight, right? But only when I'm on stage speaking. After that, I want to go mm-hmm. back in my little shell <laughs> and, and go back to tweeting things behind my phone. So mm-hmm. I would say it opened up more speaking engagements for me. It allowed me to be a part of software partner councils. Mm-hmm. It allowed me to, I guess... have a voice for issues I care about Mm -hmm. that I can now lend my voice to and out into the world. So the benefits have been tremendous. I'm able to write for more blogs. I write for some industry publications. And all of that is just because I was tweeting. I mean, Mm -hmm. when it boils down to it, it it's just because they saw I had a voice and I opened my mouth and told them these are things I care about. Uh, This is what I'm doing in my life. And And people just gravitated towards that. You've mentioned it a couple times, and I think it's really important to 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 make sure you think this. Don't my my advice to people: don't go to the market trying to reverse engineer what people want to hear. Like you uh, should really go like who what is what is your perspective and voice that you can bring? Because there, it's such a big there. There's so much opportunity, yes. and really like the more I'm going to say narrow, but the idea you know the more like distinct or specific that you can be you're going to attract the right people for you there are other people who are they're they're great businesses but they're not the right ones for your for you but when you try to be a little bit more broad and i want to speak to everybody and connect with everybody you you limit your authenticity and i think what it does is it it doesn't truly connect very strongly with anyone in particular and so you know having that you know i'm going to be me i think that that's a big part i would guess as far as those opportunities is is that you come across as i'm a real person i yeah i I own a business (laughs) real world problems yeah but i'm a you know I'm a mom, you know, we're dealing with, you know, all these, all these kid things. We're dealing with family vacations and, you know, all Mm -hmm. that. So 
if you had to go back and just give advice to someone who's they're following tax Twitter, but they're not ever posting anything, right? They're nice. they're just like you know scrolling along, and you had to say, all right, here's here's the advice I'd get, give you to get started. Like, where would you tell someone to start? Ah, so if you're a lurker and you and you've been following, I would say. Speak on something you're comfortable about or speak on something you're passionate about, right? Because then you – like there's something that you can talk about for days, mm-hmm. right? You can – if there's if there's nothing else in the world, there's something you really – and it doesn't have to be text. That's the thing about text Twitter. Like mm-hmm. I rarely ever talk about tax, right? Mm-hmm. I'm always talking about being a wife again. Go back to my handle, mm-hmm. wife, mom, CPA. CPA is last for a reason because – I don't talk about a lot about being a CPA. I talk about mm-hmm. owning a firm, but not mm-hmm. about the tax aspect of it. So I would say start talking about something you're passionate about. It doesn't have to be tax. If you love, if you love surfing, talk about surfing. Like mm-hmm. people want to see like what's behind the tax persona. Because right mm-hmm. now, most people just have that tax persona. But like, what else is there? Mm-hmm. And that's what people really care about. That's how you build that no like and trust factor. Yeah, exactly. Because people. The, one of one of the firms I work with, they they have this kind of mantra of like, we like you and we're like you, right? And so uh, like you yep. you attract people who who do respond and and like you know the energy that you bring and and that that's the that's the like you know the no like yep. and trust mm-hmm. that that middle piece of of like is is important. Right. You got to have that trust factor for sure and obviously they need to know about you but you know if right. it's too bland especially in this like personal branding space and you're mm-hmm. just like we just want people to know us and trust us you miss, <laughs> miss that little like, little right. piece. <laughs> right. Yeah, yes. it doesn't it doesn't work as well. Well, Nicole, where where can people find you? And you know, connect with you. What what do you want to? What do you just want to tell tell the audience that's listening to this show? All right, so you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Nicole Davis and CPA, and on Twitter you can find me at Wife Mom CPA 100. So what do I want people to know? I would say since we're talking about I guess social media marketing, personal branding, like figure out who you want to be to the world. Like figure out who you want. How do you want to portray yourself to the world and then do that wholeheartedly? Mm -hmm. I think that's great advice. And if you are, if you're struggling with that, you know, find your community and, and start having conversations. You know, you can always ask the people who know you well, who should I be to the world? Not that you should be someone (laughs) different, but you know how other people can call that out. You You can ask them like, if you, if, how do you do, how would you describe me to strangers? Right. Mm -hmm. And, hear what it's, and just hear the insight they have on, on how they perceive you. Mm-hmm. And then that's usually something you can use and you can run with. So, Yeah. Well, this this has been a great conversation. I'm so glad that you, you came on the show. Go follow Nicole on on Twitter if you want to get more of the, the, the wife, mom, CPA side of things and go connect on LinkedIn if you want to see the, the business side of things. She, she's a great person to be following in both places, whether you are a, an accounting firm owner and you just want a, a good example of someone who's active on social media or I guess if there's some just regular old business people that are listening, especially if you're in the Atlanta <laughs> area, you should, you yes. should get connected. So thanks well, again thank for – thank you, Matt. This was fun. Yeah, this is this is a great conversation, and yeah, I think we'll just leave it there for today. All right. Thanks. This 
This podcast, Marketing for Accounting Firms, is brought to you by Benchmark Growth Marketing, a marketing agency that helps accounting firms get more calls booked through their website. You can find us at benchmarkgrowthmarketing.com. Connect with me, Matt Banker, on LinkedIn.